to a special edition of the StatCast. I am your host, Clark Brooks of On3 Sports and SEC StatCast. So, it is spring ball period. It is transfer portal season. Uh, you know, over the last couple of weeks, months even, I have just been deep diving, scouting all these top names in the transfer portal season, trying to get everyone up to speed on what they could potentially offer their new teams. And since, like I said, it is spring ball, we're expecting, uh, 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 let's say, a few more names, to say the least, to enter uh, the hopper in the coming weeks and months. So while these uh, upcoming quarterback rankings, of course. It is the most important position in the sport. Why not start with the guys who are most likely to move the needle for their new stop? So, 19 guys who I think are worth a damn, or at the very least, at this point in time, are in my top 150 player rankings in the transfer portal for this upcoming fall. So, I should say, these are my rankings. They don't perfectly align with what is currently seen on our On3 website for our Top 100 Transfer Portal page. Um, of course, On3 Sports, fantastic resource for casuals and diehards alike. We have great team sites that keep you guys up to date on what's happening day-to-day -day with the team. And, of course, the recruiting, the database, the oh, the bread and butter of what really makes the whole thing really stand out from our competitors. So be sure to check that out if you're into that type of thing. But here, we're here to talk about quarterbacks, right? So uh, we're going to talk about pros and cons, uh, how they operate. I charted these guys against five or six of their hardest opponents according to ESPN's SB+. Plus. So it's just a, just a decent way to kind of standardize the um, schedules across, you know, different conferences and that type of thing. So um, just keep that in mind. This is more of an approximation of these guys' talents of what they bring to the table. These are not um, absolute statistical profiles. They are just small windows, glimpses, how they perform against their hardest opponents. So when I've done this in the past, it has uh, actually helped and been pretty accurate trying to prognosticate a guy moving forward. Um, so, uh, it, you know, it's not a 100% success rate, don't get me wrong, but, I mean, it does give you a pretty good idea for what these guys are and how, uh, obviously, I feel about them at this point in time. You know, you're probably going to disagree, but, you know. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! And at the very least, you can always minimize the time you listen to me and just skip ahead. So, anyways, let's get going. Number 19, Jarrett Doge, West Virginia to Western Kentucky. So, Jarrett Doge, he's going to start us off here. Um, uh, pros, he's an experienced passer. Down-to-down um, -down accuracy is one of the highest in the group. Basically, just under 60% in his sample. And his sample... All five defenses were in the top 20 in the ESPN, uh, SB+. So, very hard degree of difficulty, and he was delivering accurate passes. Um, his uncatchable pass rate, as you can imagine, followed suit. And, you know, even though his down-to-down -down stuff wasn't great, his results, he suffered from a double-digit drop rate during this time. But that being said, there's not a whole lot to like on his profile now he's going into a situation at western where he certainly shouldn't be playing that many top 20 defenses where he should be able to at least dink and dunk with his uh, methodical rinky dink air raid style that he likes to um 
lean on while at West Virginia. I like to think of him as the Big 12's version of Will Rogers, who's at Mississippi State and who's operating Mike Leach's air raid. Very similar patterns, if not a lot of the same staples. So he does make some good seam throws, but there's not a whole lot of verticality. Uh, moreover, vertical wins on his resume. So um, he had about 20, 21 deep passes in his sample here, but he only completed two of them, and both of them were less than 22 yards downfield. So he wasn't really stretching nor finding guys consistently in that uh in that avenue, but outside of being able to hit a, a good seam, there's very little leading guys downfield. It's a lot of back shoulder stuff, you know, short stuff closer towards the line of scrimmage, towards the flat, taking what the defense gives you towards, you know, space. Typical air raid operation, right? But one thing that you absolutely can't do in the air raid is give defenders opportunities to intercept you. Jared Dogie's interceptable pass rate was below the SEC average last year. Not particularly great. Um, he occasionally tests tight windows, uh, but when he is operating short, the thing is, don't have a whole lot of explosivity. 6.2, the exact same as his interceptable pass rate. It's the lowest explosive pass rate of the group. What do I mean by explosive? 20 yards or more. And that makes sense, right? When he is not able to complete downfield passes and he had to really settle for the short stuff closer to the line of scrimmage, purely timed pattern underneath towards space. But like I was saying, when you're giving the defense equal opportunities to take possession away as you are to move with a splash gain and take way too many sacks with poor evasion skills and you buffer, that's not great. Nor is only having two, that's right, two touchdowns in this sample so his sample was against oklahoma state iowa state in 2020 and then uh this past season baylor oklahoma state and minnesota minnesota he, he just was a horrible showing in the bowl game he had an adjusted net yards per attempt at 2.6 yikes uh and his interceptable pass rate that game was near 10 percent so um yeah he, he's a hard guy to really feel great about speaking to that verticality the furthest um, attempt I caught traveling downfield past the line of scrimmage was at 40 yards, and it was incomplete. I mean, no doubt, but yeah. I mentioned the, the drop rate kind of hurt his down-to-down -down results, but looking at those down-to-down -down results in his sample, um, his success rate was 37%, and his first down touchdown rate was 26.5%. Cool. Smells like shit. It is shit, Austin. Oh, good, then it's not just me. Both represent the group floor. So, not a good thing when you see that his explosive, his first down touchdown, all were the worst among the group. So, it does make sense because he's rated 19th, but moving forward, um, the easier degree of difficulty should help his bottom line increase, but until he can show he can hit downfield passes against good defenses, I just won't think that much of him. Number 18, Dylan Gabriel, University of Central Florida to Oklahoma. Now, Dylan Gabriel might surprise a whole lot of folks because the traditional metrics, the old ways of measuring quarterbacks, say he's a pretty darn good option um, throwing for over 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns in his time as a starter, a full-time starter, I should say, with a career 60% completion percentage, and he's Moving on to Oklahoma, but yeah, I mean, like, he does have concerns. We're going to start with the positives. He has really good boogie to him. I'm a boogie man. 
good boogie to him. He, you know, he's a lefty. Um, he's a little undersized. Um, I wouldn't quite say he's a jitterbug quarterback right on the nose, but he is a hard man to bring down. So his drop back sack rate was only 6.3% in his sample. So his sample, before we get too ahead of ourselves into the weeds, let's at least mention, um, you know, it was a three-year sample. Uh, uh, 2019 Pitt in our sample, 2020 Tulsa, 2020 uh, Cincinnati, 2020 BYU, and Boise State last year. In that sample, drop back sack rate was only 6.3%. The SEC average was near 9. So his drop back conversion rate, so this is pressure to sack ratio, was 6 points below the SEC average. He is a hard man to nail down. He is very mobile in the pocket, but the thing is, when he is throwing when pressured, it's not particularly pretty. Um, while his his accuracy is somewhat on par, his results certainly are not. His first down touchdown rate in this context, 10 points below average. His uncatchable pass rate, 42.2%. My gosh. And uh, almost a sixth of these passes could have had potentially picked off. So speaking of that, that is one of his major, major drawbacks. He played in you know a Baylor spread scheme. Yeah, I think Josh Heupel the first two years, so that is a lot of vertical choice stuff. If they're playing press man and single high, they're going to try and take the top off of you, win one-on-one -on -one deep downfield. Um, if you're playing off, they're just going to run a little sagging hitch, tunnel, or slant route. And again, they're running this at very fast pace, so you're likely to be winded on the back end, and they're doing a lot of versatile stuff in the run game. Um, they're all about trying to tie your route both mentally and physically. So it's very quarterback-friendly, very vertical, potentially, but... His arm, at the end of the day, I felt was just average. You know, he his the furthest pass that traveled downfield that I caught was 47 yards. You know, that's typically when his ball started to die downfield. He's one of these high-arcing deep ball guys where, don't get me wrong, when those bad boys are on target, oh, gets my heart fluttering. But um, too many times, they end up underthrown or they allow a defender to catch up on the ball and make a play. So... That's where your interceptable pass rate generally does come in with him. Basically, a tenth of his overall attempts in his sample had potential to be picked off. Um, and it's not a good thing that his explosive pass rate, despite leaning into the verticality, you know, having an average depth of target at 11.1. So that's how far his guy was downfield on average. was the second highest in the group. That's explosive pass rate. You know, percentage of passes that gained at least 20 yards or more was only 8 five and almost a quarter of his attempts in general were uncatchable so obviously the aggressive style of play throwing the balls downfield higher degree of difficulty is going to hurt your down to down results like first down touchdown rate and success rate but the thing is when you cannot deliver the potency uh now having jeff levy I don't know if it's going to be a little bit more UCFE Josh Heupel stuff or it's going to be more what he was doing with Lane Kiffin, which was a little bit more horizontal stuff. So all hitches, uh, all slants, off outside zone play action, crosses, double digs, uh, Yankee shots, that type of thing. Um, a lot of Utah passes this past season. So, yeah, quarterback-friendly stuff, simplified reads, um, more protection, you know, keeping him safe and really making him a little bit more deliberate where he wants to go with the ball. So um, he should have good results. That's not what I am concerned about, but it's just because my idea of him as a passer is pretty deflated just because of his propensity to put the ball into harm's way and his down-to-down -down accuracy is not good. Number 17, Adrian Martinez, Nebraska to Kansas State.
Yes, Adrian Martinez. He was a tricky, tricky bird to evaluate. You know, some of his down-to-down -down results are pretty good. Um, he has started 38 career games. He's played 14 top 35 defenses, a pretty hard sample, you know, his five or six game sample. Uh, so this was 2020 against Ohio State where they got blown out. Not, you know, whatever. The loss against Iowa, the Michigan game this past season, Minnesota this past season, Ohio State this past season, and Wisconsin this past season. So again, yeah, like I said, very tough slate, but it's just some of his process and how Scott Frost had to coax some of the best plays out of him, draw some concerns with him moving forward. Doesn't mean he can't be a, a competent passer or a worthwhile passer. It's just keep these things in mind. So of course, starting with the positives, um, yeah, he's an athletic kid. He had plenty of blow bys as a runner, either bouncing runs towards the outside or using his north-south burst to uh, blow by flat-footed linebackers when, when scrambling. But yeah, like I aforementioned, like everything big for him was off of play action. Of course, you know, play actions are the source of major explosive gains in college football these days. His uh, drop back play action success rate was uh, 64%. His accuracy, his raw accuracy was 64% as well. His first down touchdown rate was 56%. His explosive play rate, the thing that we should really be paying attention to, 31%. All of those are ahead of the SEC average from this past season against SEC defenses by double digits. We're talking extraordinary returns. However, the flip side of that is when you erase those types of throws from his profile, he's not that special, but more on that later. So speaking to his ability as being an athlete, so the next thing you want to ask, okay, what can he do uh, while pressured, either evading on the run or standing in there with someone barreling towards him? So results pretty average you know he, he he is not a liability in that sense neither like same with taking sacks he's, he's he's above the average at least the sec average the thing with him is that the major drawback is he, he suffered so much pressure in pure drop back situations that his overall process was completely altered by it 42 percent of his drop back attempts again no screens no rpos were pressured that is 12 points higher than the SEC average. That is a lot of degree of difficulty. So his first down touchdown rate, for example, you know, 36%, about 10 points above the SEC average. That would be considered uh, just barely average under normal circumstances. So you got to keep everything in the right perspective. So when we want to measure his passing floor, when we're attempting to erase you know, the high amount of pressures, the high amount of play actions, I should mention a third of his attempts used some form of play fake. It was ingrained to what they had to do to really get the best out of him. But when you're looking at clean dropback, non-play action attempts when inside the pocket against a sample, you know, with all the extra variables stripped away, and when you're looking at him inside of structure with basically no excuses to point to, and what we can basically gauge him to be as a down-to-down -down passer, his success rate was in the mid-50s. It's what you'd like to see. Average depth of target was about average, but that's basically where the um, compliments end. His depth-adjusted accuracy was nine points below average. His first-down touchdown rate was six points below average. His interceptable pass rate potentially be picked off when play action was not involved and when he was just standing there with no one rushing towards him. Reached eight 
5%. Think of that. That is a major, major, major red flag, as is his paltry. Four. That's right. 4% explosive pass rate. The SEC average is about 10%, so yeah, that is just not a good look, nor is an uncatchable pass rate that is six points above the SEC average. So um, when you're looking at him to just say, can he be a traditional pocket passer or potentially play at the next level? Um, at this point, it's a resounding no. It might happen. Yeah. And monkeys might fly out of my butt. But um, we're talking about college football here. And like I said, his athleticism and his stout play against pressure, relative pressure, I should say, is one thing to really, you know, pat him on the back on. As is his completion percentage, deep completion percentage that finished above average and his nice mid-range number. So um, again, a lot of that was kind of facilitated by play action, like I mentioned ahead. But the thing is, um, you know you can count on him to at least deliver those types of completions. And the other major drawback for him, of course, if you watched those games I mentioned in the sample, is how they ended and they mostly uh, flamed out because of Mr. Martinez. There were numerous instances where they had the ball later in the fourth quarter and he had a late turnover. And you can't have that stuff. You can't be dependent on for that stuff. Now, Kansas State, um, they might not have the team speed that he is coming from, might not have the true spread type of principles, and might be more under center, true heavy set play play action type of stuff, but I still think he can deliver. But the thing is, yeah, he's ranked this low on our quarterback rankings because of his utter reliance on play action, his turnover-worthy play rate, and the fact that he just does not look to be a competent drop-back passer. Casey Thompson, Texas to Nebraska. After going back and forth, I finally settled on Casey Thompson to be the next guy up. Um, just at the end of the day, his passing floor metrics paired with his muted downfield offerings without the guys to play action just really lowered my opinion of him. But to start with the positives, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty mobile guy. Um, he, he's pretty well coached. Um, I mean, that's working with Sark for an offseason. That really will do a lot for quarterbacks. I mean, he looked pretty well coached with his eyes on uh, play action reads. You know, when he's in rhythm, he's pretty good, but at the end of the day, he was not special at racing pressures. His arm was average. His passes tended to be a little bit more off the mark once he reset, particularly end breakers. And yeah, at the end of the day, his down-to-down -down results were below average. It's not like he was a major handcuff for Texas's offense, but the problem was the big, big red flag that has him so low on the rankings is his uncatchable pass rate, 24.3. No other transfer quarterback that I have charted has a clip that is worse than that. The worst! So even though his interceptable pass rate is kind of middling whatever, it's just you know, too many wasted chances. The worst hurt his down-to-down -down results. So, like I said, he was particularly good off of play action, using play action to help deliver more explosiveness, lead into the deception style of play. Of course, that's Steve Sarkeesian, baby. Motion offense, uh, shift in a tight end, do orbit or jet away, you know, just really get the defense thinking and really dictating where they're going to rotate um, their coverages, which is a good tip for quarterbacks. So, off of play action, success rate 54%, half of his passes were accurate, almost 47% resulted in a first down or touchdown. 
um, and he had a interceptable pass rate that was actually above average. So yeah, that that stuff really did help his numbers. But when you're stripping that stuff away, clean drop back, non-play action inside the pocket, only a third of his attempts resulted in a first down or a touchdown. That is five points below the SEC versus SEC average, as was his down-to-down success rate, as was his depth adjusted accuracy what is that again again when you're applying more weight the further a pass travels downfield it has a little bit more risk reward than just a static accuracy percentage is that accurate yes no kind of like completion percentage is it caught yes no well the people who are more accurate throwing downfield have a little bit more juice in this metric than guys who are just padding completions short so again success depth adjusted first down touchdown rate uh, below the average in his interceptable pass rate in this clean drop back non-play action um, context inside the pocket was two points above average. So that's not good. Throwing downfield, he is a pretty average Joe. I mean, his his deep completion accuracy, uncatchable, interceptable, basically right on with the SEC par. Um, as was his intermediate stuff, you know, 11 to 19 yards downfield, basically right on the money. The only thing that I would be concerned about, yeah, he does waste a little bit more chances on average in that area of the field than the uh, typical passer from the SEC, and he has double-digit interceptable pass rates in both respects. So, of course, playing for Sark, I already mentioned the play-action stuff is high. His RPO rate was uh, it was 5% higher than the average guy, and I quarter of his attempts targeted behind the line of scrimmage so that's you know a high or a decent yak percentage it's leaning on his guys to do a decent amount of the heavy lifting lukewarm results um he did have some nice throws it's just he lacks great size his arm is average and he cannot erase so if you're asking him to elevate an offense i'm not so sure he can be that type of guy but if he if you're looking for a guy to come in steady things, help bring some consistency with a a different element, just some competence, I think he's a good guy. So him at Nebraska, knowing that Frost has a good, good affinity for play actions, it should really, really help uh, with those aforementioned play action results. But because of the average arm, particularly, you know, like targeting contested tight window types of throws, not good whatsoever. He had as many completions, seven, as interceptable pass attempts in this context. And speaking of that depth-adjusted accuracy, it was below 26%. While, you know, if you were to make those interceptable passes into a rate-based thing, it would cross 30%. It's never good to have that type of black mark on your resume when you're trying to reinvent yourself in a new spot and help get, quote-unquote, Nebraska back, folks. That's why I allowed someone else just to leapfrog him. Jaden Daniels, Arizona State to LSU. You know, I can already hear the groans coming out of the bayou with this selection. So, Jaden Daniels, going to start with the positives. Very good scrambler. Uh, I'll talk more about that in a second. He doesn't press. He's very athletic. He has a very quick release. He has good enough arm talent. Um, the, he can throw the ball at least 48 yards downfield. Um, but look, that was not his skill set. That was not his preferred modus operandi. But before I start, you know, 
giving you the bad news about him. Let's focus on the good, right? So about that scrambling ability, both as a designed runner and as uh, someone outside of structure is one of the best in the group. Bar none, some of the best scrambling in the country. So um, interesting enough, he had 28 scramble attempts in his sample and he had 28 design rush attempts in his sample. And should I say his sample consisted of 2019 Michigan State, 2019 Oregon, by money, my best performance I saw from him, 2020 USC, and from this past season, uh, Utah, Washington, and Wisconsin. Pretty tough defenses of opponents. But back to the scrambling. 64% success rate, 7.5 yards per attempt. His first down touchdown rate was 39.3, and he had a ridiculous 57.1 broken tackle rate. He averaged over three yards after contact in both respects. And as a design runner, even though his yards per attempt went down, his first down touchdown rate went up and his success rate stayed in the 60s. That's exactly what you like to see. I mean, you throw on his highlights, a lot of what you will see will be him running to green grass when everyone's dropping back into coverage or buying himself some time. So in general, outside the pocket, He's not necessarily spectacular by any means. He had a 14.3 uh, turnover-worthy play rate, uh, and 62% of those attempts were uh, uh, pressured. So, in, in general, when pressured, he was a, you know, nothing special. He had a double-digit interceptable pass rate. Um, his accuracy was below average. His uncatchable pass rate was was pretty good, but it's the fact that he took way too many sacks, which is kind of counterintuitive considering the fact he's an elite scrambler. Well, in his sample, even though his pressure rate was under average, only 25% or so of his drop-back passes, so that's non-RPOs, um, non-screen pass attempts, were pressured, he suffered a sack at 15.7, which damn where near doubled the SEC average against SEC defenses this past season. Nearly 62 percent of his pressured attempts resulted in a sack that is abhorrent that is a major major red flag now down to down um he did a very conservative style of play it wasn't just this past season my very first note i had from him in the game against michigan state in 2019 holy spacing stick slants and screens batman <laughs> I thought my jokes were bad. Um, yeah, we're talking about a lot of stuff towards the line of scrimmage. Um, even though he is capable to throw the ball downfield, he seems a lot more comfortable to just get the ball out and operate a West Coast style of scheme. So, like I mentioned, that Oregon game, that was the rare game where he was pretty vertical and he had some nice balls, um, consistent balls in that game. But everything else, not a whole lot of passing highlights to say the least. Now, I mentioned that deep vertical passing game, the thing that he kind of likes to um, not necessarily lean into. Well, his completion percentage was uh, seven points above the SEC average last year, but his accuracy, the thing that I like to look at, his process was below average. His mid-range stuff was certainly nothing to write home about either. Uh, completion percentage in this context, 12 points below the SEC average, 13 points below in terms of accuracy, um, uncatchable 10 points percent higher than the average and of course his interceptable pass rate like his deep um, context was 11 
0.1%. It's just not good. It's way too high. It's a concern. I mean, if I'm evaluating you to be a passer and you're not able to throw downfield accurately or safely, I have massive, massive concerns. As do I have concerns if you're going to lean into the conservative style of play and you're not giving me consistent results. So his success rate in his sample was below 40%. That's about seven points below the SEC average. Less than a third of his attempts, I should say, resulted in a first down or a touchdown. That is not great whatsoever. He did turn in an explosive, an average explosive play rate. So his guys after the catch did bail him out. He was a decent decision maker to find those guys. But still, it's just the fact that I'm not overly enthralled whatsoever. Whatsoever. The thing is, he should have a lot of good athletes. So I mentioned 2019 when he had Brandon Ayuk. Um, he was a little bit more vertical. He's a little bit more aggressive. He's a little bit more potent. So his pass catchers should be able to win downfield more. Um, I don't know what he's necessarily comfortable doing and if he can do so without throwing the ball into harm's way. The concerns of taking too many sacks, the fact that I don't love his accuracy. So, you know, I mentioned uh, Dylan Gabriel's down-to-down accuracy, and it was obviously hurt by the vertical style of play. Jane Daniels, his 8.9 average depth of target is in the bottom five of the group here, but his down-to-down accuracy at 50.9 was basically on par with, uh, with Gabriel's, which is... Not what you want. It remains to be seen if it will beat out Miles Brennan for the starting job, but it seems like momentum is in his corner. And at the end of the day, look, being a mobile guy that can extend plays and, you know, his athleticism does allow that. It's just on tape, his capabilities at avoiding sacks isn't necessarily great. Sure, he can take advantage if guys are dropping back and running to space. It's just I don't know if he can make guys miss consistently, especially considering that they're going to be SEC pass rushers uh, as opposed to Pac-12 pass rushers. Emory Jones, Florida, currently undecided. Emory Jones, the first SEC guy to make an appearance on this list. So the former Florida slinger is now looking for a new place to display his talents. You know, he's semi-toolsy type of quarterback, you know, with a, a lot of nice physical traits, but he has just not been able to put it together whatsoever. He has a 50-50 resume, half you like, half you hate. So that, that type of thing, moving into a crucial year, is not usually an easy sell for a lot of people. Moreover, when you're coming off a season where you had an 11% turnover-worthy play rate when dropping back, again, excluding screens and RPOs, that's a hard, hard thing to get around. So we got to focus on the pauses first. As a runner, he joined Matt Corral and K.J. Jefferson last year as the only three SEC quarterbacks to finish inside the conference's top 10 in explosive run rate, so 10-plus yards or more, and first down touchdown rate. So that's not worth nothing. But his stable metrics, broken tackle rate, yards after contact, not fantastic. You also have to at least admire his above average arm strength in terms of driving it vertically downfield. Uh, the results did not come. His accuracy in that department still leaves plenty, plenty to be desired. But, you know, that athleticism that I mentioned, it does translate to him being a pretty good guy at avoiding sacks. This past season, including all of his snaps, of course, this is one of the advantages I have to having SEC StatCat charting every single offensive snap the last four seasons. I have everyone's complete profile, so a lot more numbers than the other guys we'll be talking about. But his dropback sack rate was 3.6. The SEC average was 7.5. Despite suffering pressure on a third of these dropbacks, again, no screens, no RPOs, 
five points above the SEC average exactly. He only had an 11.1 pressure to sack rate. That is uh, 15 points below the SEC average. Fantastic thing. Uh, but it's just unfortunately his modus operandi was fairly frustrating. You had a lot of physical things you really, really liked. But the down-to-down stuff was conservative. You didn't avoid turnover-worthy throws. You couldn't really take advantage of the defense crowding closer towards the line of scrimmage because of your enhanced running ability, and ultimately too many plays were left on the field. Despite the fact that he's able to avoid and negate sacks, when he was actually pressured, his returns were below average. And, of course, his big, big red flag, having uh, turnover-worthy passes, interceptable passes, just riddled his profile a fifth. Of his pressured dropback attempts this past season had turnover-worthy potential, and 47% of his attempts were not catchable whatsoever by his intended target. Not good, not good, not good. That's not a good start, but, but keep going. In terms of his down-to-down accuracy, however, it was one of the more admirable ones in the SEC because of his ability to hit guys short. Um, as well as being pretty above average delivering intermediate stuff. But the problem was, anytime he attempted to throw the ball beyond 10 yards downfield, his errancy or his inability to decipher correct coverages reared its ugly head time and time again. On throws from 11 to 20 yards downfield, 13.4 interceptable pass rate. On 20-yard or more passes, you know, the the area where Florida fans were just really ravenous, we got to be more explosive, we got to be more explosive, we got to take more deep chances, 20% interceptable pass rate. His accuracy, uh, only a quarter of his deep pass attempts were completed and on target this year, while 48% of them were uncatchable. So while I understand the frustration, you cannot win football these days, just nickel and diming down the field all the time. Um, leaning into that was just uh, too dangerous for, for Mullen to pursue. Moreover, when you're looking at his play action usage, another tactic that likes to enhance downfield offerings, his interceptable pass rate was about 12%, uh, 30% were uncatchable, and while the explosiveness did incur, while half of those attempts did deliver a first down or a touchdown, it's just the fact we cannot give the defense an opportunity to get us off the field. Just absolutely cannot. And when you strip that stuff away, yeah, his down-to-down stuff is fine. Like, it, it, like when he was dinking and ducking and taking what the defense gave him, the results were fine. 54% success rate, floor passing, clean dropback, thon play action inside the pocket. Um, 59% depth-adjusted accuracy. That's one of the best in the conference this year in this context. A 44% first-down touchdown rate. And while his interceptable pass rate at 6.0 was still way too high and below the conference average, compared to other situations we've seen him in, it's definitely the more preferable course drawback of course single digit explosive play rate and an, an uncatchable pass rate that was below average as well so there is some good things to dig through and find silver linings but there is a lot of trepidation that should be taken away with what he can offer again if you're trying to ask him to elevate your offense being the missing piece you could find yourself being disappointed if you're on the Power 5 level. Um, I think he could still probably excel on the Group of 5 level being that type of element. But if he's going to be in the Power 5, he probably is going to have to be a second field type of guy. Have to facilitate play actions, RPOs, get him on the run, 
outside of the pocket and really try and maximize his legs as much as possible. Now, the toolsy stuff can still come around. He still has the capabilities, but the results have to happen. Jack Plummer, Purdue to California. Now, Jack Plummer is a candidate a lot of people probably are overlooking, and I understand why. Very wonky resume where he can never really stay on the field for too long at Purdue. Speaking of that odd, odd sample, so it's a three-year sample. One game from 2019, that was against Iowa. Two games from 2020, Minnesota and Nebraska. And two games from this past season, Notre Dame and Illinois. So, yeah, all over the place. But having kind of good things on paper. Um, you look at him and what he can bring to the table in terms of his talent. Dude, he's like the guy who reminds me the most of Josh Allen of any of these guys. Of course, Josh Allen was a major, major project, immensely raw and, and a total outlier on the statistical breakout. He has a good arm. He can move. He's 6'5". He's tall. Um, he can drive the ball downfield with relative ease. He is a somewhat elongated motion, but it's like a wrist flick like Henry Rowan Gardner from Rookie of the Year. It's just lickety split good stuff he stands tall no pun intended versus pressure he's not lumbering despite his his good size so he can break tackles he can move i mean there there's some things you, he can do here now he's gonna follow chase garbers at california who was like a four-year starter or whatever so there's a lot in continuity that that offense is going to be missing but in terms of what he could potentially offer the verticality of this offense remains to be seen because despite having a big time arm in my opinion his Style while at Purdue, you know, it's one of these, it's another one of these air raid offshoot offenses that really is kind of ball control at the end of the day, despite passing a whole lot. It's a lot of stuff near the line of scrimmage. He threw less than 20 deep pass attempts in his five game sample. 51% of his throws were between 0 and 10 yards downfield. And when you include stuff behind the line of scrimmage, nearly 75% of his attempts traveled less than 10 yards downfield. Only a tenth of his attempts basically traveled beyond 20 yards downfield. So, yeah, really, really short stuff, and that really helped pad his accuracy. No doubt about it. You look at his down-to-down accuracy results. So, you know, we, we talked about Dylan Gabriel and Jaden Daniels, how they were kind of on the lower end of things. Well, you look at Jack Plummer, 65.6. Only one other qualifier in our group, our transfer group, had a higher raw accuracy percentage. And when you look at depth-adjusted accuracy percentage, again, when we're applying more weight, the further passes travel downfield. Omri Emery Jones, who we already mentioned, kind of padded his stuff with short stuff and intermediate stuff, has a better clip among the transfer quarterbacks. So you got to like that stuff. He delivers an accurate ball. Uh, he delivers a catchable deep ball, moreover. Of course, if we're going to talk about his arm, you know, we talk about Emory Jones leaving plays on the field. Well, how about Mr. Plummer? Even though, you know, it's not at a high volume, his accuracy and completion percentage on deep pass attempts both finished above the SEC average against SEC defenses this past season. And a great thing, only a sixth of these attempts were considered uncatchable by me in his sample. But the problem was defenders also had equal opportunities to catch these chances. A third of his deep pass attempts were interceptable. And even though he was a pretty even Steven, average Joe, mid-range accuracy, his results, completion percentage, an uncatchable pass rate, and interceptable pass rate, all immensely below the average um, interceptable and uncatchable in particular, they were double-digit 
points worse from what the SEC quarterbacks did this past season. That is just yikes. That's a big, big red flag. So, again, yeah, it's going to fall back to that style of play type of thing with him. Five-yard passes just aren't usually the way to win or dictate explosive, scary threats these types of days. So, again, like a few of our other quarterbacks, when you strip away play action and you know, pressure to stuff and just looking at him inside the pocket, his passing floor, yes, it's fantastic. Um, only 8% of his passes were uncatchable. Half of his attempts resulted in situational success, and he has a 54% depth adjusted accuracy and an average first down touchdown rate. That's good, good stuff. But the stuff that sucks, a 4% explosive play rate and a 10% interceptable pass rate. I thought you were kidding! I thought it was a joke! Can't have that. You cannot be twice as likely to throw an interceptable ball as to log an explosive gain in structure. That is... The big red flag. The thing with him, though, like all, like a good deal of the tools, you guys, you kind of have to ignore the stats sometimes and just truly believe in their talent. I just think he has a little bit more upside than Emory Jones at this point in time. But, again, very similar concerns, very similar type of approach to the game. He was less volatile using play action, I will say that. Play action actually inflated his accuracy numbers. You don't usually see that a whole lot often with quarterbacks, but both his depth-adjusted and raw figures were in the 60s in this context. While his explosiveness was on par, it's just the down-to-down stuff was tremendously below average, but susceptible passes, 6.1% clip in this context, and it should maybe be explored a little bit more at his new stop. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to be a big arm guy and you're afraid to throw downfield and your big arm can't necessarily navigate these contested tight window attempts, what the hell's the point? You know what I mean? He had 10 interceptable attempts targeting contested tight windows in his sample. That's a 28.2 clip. Way, way too high. His success rate was only like 31%. So, very, very slimmer things. And he hasn't necessarily been too consistent outside the pocket either. So even though, yeah, he does have capabilities to you know really show off his arm talent when on the move, there is a very mixed resume in that context. But, you know, on the surface, down to down, yeah, the, the, the low average depth of target, you know, it does inflate some things. But, you know, average success rate, average first down touchdown rate, and down to down, he should be a pretty safe option. It's just, okay, how much better can you elevate the offense you're about to join, Mr. Plummer, because you certainly have the tools to do so, but will you go out and put it all together? Jaden Delora, Washington State to Arizona. So after talking about those two tools, you guys, Jaden Delora has a slightly better standing in my rankings right now just because he should be a little bit more consistent from day one. His six-game sample over the last two years include 2020 Oregon, 2020 USC, 2020 Utah, and then from this past season, California, Arizona, and Washington. And he's going to stay in the Pac-12 this upcoming season. He doesn't put the ball in the harm's way like those other guys, uh, but he also doesn't have the physical tools as the other guys. He's an undersized passer. He's only six foot 190. Yeah, that's going to cap your upside. Concerns with passing lanes come into question. Concerns in terms of just overall strength come into question. But um, if you're going to be an undersized mobile guy, you better be as good outside the pocket as this guy. So Jaden Delora, yeah, he, I mean, he had a really, really high uncatchable pass rate, basically 41%. But the thing is, every other pass that was not uncatchable was on target. 
59.3%. Depth adjusted accuracy outside the pocket, 66.5. And uh, explosive play rate, 15%. Success rate, 56%. And moreover, he's not putting the ball in the harm's way. His interceptable pass rate outside the pocket was less than 4%. That's exactly what you like to see from an undersized guy that um, who might need to manipulate the pocket to see the field a little better, that he wasn't overly putting the ball into harm's way in that context. But... No doubt about it. He has a noticeable cap and how he can drive the ball vertically. Most of his deep completions were less than 25 yards downfield in his sample. A lot of stuff outside the numbers. Looking at his passing spray in particular, you know, one thing or at least one little, I wouldn't say red flag or indicator that I like to look for for a nibbler. Generally, passers are right-handed and easier passes are to be had less than 10 yards downfield. 31% of his samples spray targeted outside the right hash less than 10 yards downfield. One of the highest in the groups. Uh, easily one of the biggest slices out there. So that can be a concern, as has been his propensity to really just live outside the numbers. Not a whole lot of stuff towards the middle of the field. You know, we, he just wants to win up and down the sideline outside the numbers, have your extra Z receiver win or take a quick outbreaking route. That was certainly one of his major traits across his sample was how often he loved attacking the flat with quick outbreakers. Yeah, he's not going to necessarily elevate with his talent. He can be able to elevate based on the environment he's going. Arizona has been near the triple digits in the SP Plus in both respects for basically the last few years. Um, he does have talent, and he's going to have a really top-notch transfer receiver joining him as well. So the thing is, yeah, he's he's just not going to be a sexy option, but at this point in time, he just checks a lot of boxes, guys. He just does. His down-to-down -down accuracy and his depth-adjusted accuracy are, are um, both top five in the transfer group. His down-to-down uh, -down success rate it beat the SEC average, and his deep stuff, so, you know, looking at beyond 10 yards downfield, 20 yards downfield, these types of things, um, completion, accuracy, uncatchable, right on par with the SEC average. He was, like I mentioned, um, he has some pretty good mid-range zip, so he might not necessarily be able to drive the ball vertically, but between 11 and 19 yards downfield, he has enough poise and savvy and timing and arm talent to consistently take advantage of that um, cover two type of hole, that turkey hole along the sideline in between the deep half safety and cornerback. He has made that throw a few times in his hardest sample here, so... It is a consistent trait of his that is something you'd like to have in his back pocket. So looking at mid-range in particular, his completion percentage was six points better than the SEC average. His accuracy percentage was about two and a half points better than the SEC average. But the big concerns, this was generally the areas of the field where his interceptables came in. They crept in. They were below average, basically uh, 15%. You're enjoying your day. Everything's going your way. Then along comes Debbie Downer. That's not what you like. That is not what you like whatsoever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, what you see is what you get with this guy. Since he's coming from a scheme that didn't have a whole lot of screens, RPOs, or play actions, I mean, gosh, you put all those together, less than 15% of his attempts used all those combined. 10 personnel, kind of spread set type of stuff, rinky-dinky, somewhat air raid type of stuff. But, like I said, the outbreakers were the big thing. So, even though he's mobile... I didn't think he was necessarily a great eraser. He only suffered pressure on 12% of his dropbacks, and that helped his sack rate remain low, only 5%.
preferable to the SEC average, but his dropback sack to pressure ratio had a minus 10 relationship compared to the average. That is a concern, um, even though he is better than the average bear when pressured. But since so much of his stuff was, you know, without guises, he didn't see a lot of pressure, 60% of his resume was from clean dropback non-play action conditions inside the pocket it's one of the highest around it's uh so basically his floor numbers were very comparable with what his down to down overall numbers were in our sample so that's one thing you gotta like moving forward sure he has a higher interceptable pass rate because of his 10 plus yard downfield spray than you would like um sure his uncatchable pass rate is below average and it's you know a fifth of his attempts in his sample gave his target no chance to come down with the ball concerns 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 It's just the fact I really do like what he can bring outside the pocket, extending plays and helping an offense that is really needing some type of positivity, bring them some type of consistency while not being a major liability down to down. Zach Calzada, Texas A&M to Auburn. That's right. Zach Calzada. You know, he's another one of these tools he liked, guys. You keep using the horde. I don't think it means what you think it means. But I'm sure most people would have him rated much lower than I do. But I have him over those guys for the reason that he can still make those vertical downfield throws, lead guys downfield, you know, uh, avoid the rush on occasion. Um, And unlike them, he avoided turnover-worthy throws, uh, especially in SEC play. So even though it was a rocky start, no doubt about it, and sure, you can look at his splits against ranked and unranked opponents, and you can uh, absolutely criticize him. By no means is he a perfect prospect, but he is the type of guy who I want to like because – I like accurate guys, especially accurate guys downfield. So looking at that, you know, his raw accuracy percentage is like around 55%, nothing special whatsoever. It it was below average in the SEC. Sure, that's how a lot of people think of him as just an erratic quarterback. And when you look at his uncatchable pass rate, yeah, you get the same type of conclusions. Uh, after, <laughs> after all, over a fifth of his passes uh, in SEC play this past season were uncatchable but when you apply weight the further his passes travel downfield you know using our handy dandy depth adjusted accuracy percentage his 51.3 clip was top five in the conference not bad for a guy who's just kind of thrusted in there so um you know a lot of people hate his below average result metrics you know like yards per attempt success rate first down touchdown rate but um not a whole lot of people were aware that his 14.1 drop rate was easily the highest in the conference last year. So, I mean, even if you just brought that down to the SEC average and you assume, uh, you know, like 60% of those said attempts would result in success, his success rate and everything else is largely going to be above average. So when you include all those accuracy stuffs, like I said, it looks like he absolutely could be a candidate that could see a bump assuming his receivers can hang on to his passes. Now, he is semi-erratic on occasion, and Auburn themselves were you know, a receiving core last year that did not necessarily catch the ball all that crisply and consistently. So that is something worth monitoring moving forward. But circling back to highlight some of the things that really do stand out for me, I mean, when you look at deep accuracy in SEC play last year, his 40% clip was tied for second best. Isn't that something? But it was all or nothing with him, as it mostly is. Uh, 
44% were uncatchable. So, but the thing is, he only gave his guys a chance at it. It was all or nothing for the most part. Um, interceptable pass rate, one of the best in the conference. 8% third best in the conference. And likewise, his completion percentage and accuracy percentage and uncatchable pass rate, they were pretty good relative uh, to his peers, you know? Um, looking at his accuracy and uncatchable pass rates, in particular in the mid-range game, both were in the top four. So... There you go. It's just the thing. Yeah, sometimes short. He wasn't necessarily clean, you know, when he had reset. You know, it's typical things that you get to see from passers who are trying to get a little bit more refined. And he definitely needs a lot more refinement, a lot more consistency with his mechanics. I think the talent is there, and I think he can be a playmaker. I mean, uh, everyone likes to highlight that Alabama game, and that's an interesting statistical deep dive if you wanted to do that. If you wanted to look at his games with and without Alabama, Oh, yeah, there's a difference, no doubt about it. But end of the day, I still like his ability to make the downfield throws and his ability to um, negate some sacks. I mean, he was pressured on a third of his uh, dropbacks in SEC play, but only 18% of his pressures resulted in a sack. Only four other SECers had a better clip this past season. I mean, that's not too shabby. I mean, I think he has a lot to offer. <laughs> and unfortunately, Bo Nix has shown you better need those skills if you're going to try and do something on the planes. But immediate upside, I'm not so sure. But long term, I still think Zach Calzada is a, is a name to watch in this conference. Again, he's not throwing the ball in the harm's way. He has a pretty good arm. Arm. He can make those downfield throws okay against pressure. And when a third of your dropbacks experience pressure and pressured returns are never, ever as good as, you know, clean returns. So, I mean, that really can skew one's numbers. And um, even though you might be relatively average in that context, just that pure, that sour element on your statistical profile really can uh, manipulate some things negatively. So that's something to keep in mind. When actually looking at, you know, his floor passing, like I mentioned with a few other fellows, it, it basically does translate mediocre numbers. Um, the one thing, though, that is a concern or it should be a massive concern is the explosiveness or lack thereof, 7%. The SEC average, of course, is around 10 so... Texas A&M has been an offense that has absolutely struggled to get explosive gains in the SEC the last two seasons. Uh, no matter how you slice it, whether it be after the catch stuff or, you know, downfield deep offerings. It is just not a thing they like to do. They like to focus more on the mid-range game and drop back stuff. So, so when you see that he had a 21% drop rate in this context, you can deal with his results being a little bit off. You can... You know, you can do the math. You can basically guesstimate how much of a statistical bump he would get if those balls were actually completed. Because, again, depth adjusted accuracy right on par with everyone else. So he's still a raw project, but, but Zach Calzada is definitely a name to keep an eye on this fall, especially if you're an SEC fan.